What's going on, everybody? It's that time again, the All Sooners Podcast, episode 151, post-game edition. We're back at the stadium in our... We've commandeered this booth. It's this, the ESPN booth. It's the ESPN booth, but we've made it ours, our unofficial yeah. podcast studio for uh, post-game podcast here. Uh, last time we were here, Oklahoma lost to Kansas State under the lights here at Gaylord Family. Got back on track today against Kansas, 52-42, to 42, points and points and points. Sooners do win. Dylan Gabriel looked good. He was back. Offense looked good. Defense, we're going to break it all down. That's what the post-game show is for. Josh Calloway, John Hoover, Ryan Chapman. Gentlemen, let me start by saying we're tired. The bye week is next week. Um, we all need it. We all need hours, it. I think ten and a half hours. Here today? Yeah. I got here about. I rolled on campus at six thirty-five. Yeah. I got on campus at six thirty. Thirteen hours for Ryan. It's now seven twenty-three p.m. Whew. Let's have some day. fun. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get ready to get loopy up in here. We're yeah. We're we're wiped. I mean it's. At the end of a long day, it was. I was in the hot sun for like five hours, and um, it's it's the seventh straight Saturday. Last year we had to start with nine. I don't know how we did that in retrospect because yeah. I could not do another two in a row, especially considering the road trips that we have coming up yep. um, here coming on the back end of the season. But we have some time to worry about those in a little bit. Sooners win today. They end the losing streak. Back above 500, like I said, 52 to 42 over the number 19 Kansas Jayhawks. It's actually the first ranked team that they've played this year. It doesn't feel like it, but it is the first ranked team that they played. That was ranked at the time they played them, of course, TCU in Texas and stuff like that. Sooners win. Back in the win column. First impressions. We'll break it all down. That's what the show is for. But initial thing that jumped out from today as uh, the Sooners, like I said, get back in the win column. Dylan Gabriel's back, and uh, it was a complete victory. Offense, defense, the offensive line played great. Hangtime had a 55-yard punt. Everybody played good today, it seemed, at some point. Uh, there was lots to be left, I guess, lots that was left on the field. Uh, you know, they had a goal line stop. Dylan Gabriel had three turnovers. Two of those were not forced. Um, so, you know, there could have been a lot. It could have been a lot bigger spread. Um, yeah, complete game. I At no point, if the team had played the way they played at any time the last three weeks, if you have those three turnovers like you're talking about, who this team does not win and does not win comfortably. If you have a goal line stop, this team does not win, does not win comfortably. I think that kind of shows that today um, they both had really high highs and, and some pretty bad lows. But the important thing is, Brent Venables talked about it in his opening statement on Tuesday. He said it feels like this team just hasn't had any rhythm whatsoever. Today they finally got that. When the Oklahoma defense would show out with an interception, the offense would immediately take it down the field and score and score a touchdown, and that kept the Jayhawks at arm's length. That meant that you can give up a, a, a silly touchdown at the end of the first half. You can give up a couple of bad touchdown drives at the end of the game, and, and it frankly didn't matter because the game was iced behind – 700-yard-plus uh, performance from the offense. I honestly don't know what it means for a football team to get rhythm. I get it in the passing game because it takes literally rhythm. One, two, three, yeah. step forward in the pocket and deliver on time. I get that. But for a defense, you don't need rhythm. I mean, that's, that's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a common way of saying we're not playing very well. And uh, we just watched a Michael Jackson video. That dude had rhythm. Uh, Oklahoma's defense today didn't really have any rhythm, but they tackled better. They played harder up front. Uh, they covered better in the back end. It's as simple as that. When you do those things, you give yourself a chance. And then, like Ryan said, 700 yards offense, 36 first downs. Look that up. That's a lot. That's like an inordinate psycho amount of first downs. Yeah. So they're able to move the chains. I don't think somewhere, surely, I've covered a game where it was better. Maybe. I don't think I've ever covered a game, though, where they converted 16 out of 21 third downs. I don't know that I've ever seen that before. That's incredibly efficient. So... Put those things together, tackle better, cover better, rush the passer, play harder on defense, and pile up things on offense. You see what we got today. Yeah, no, 100%. I agree with everything you guys are saying. Uh, to me, definitely, it's about the return to Dylan Gabriel, but it, tying it in more to what I was saying last week when we did the postgame show at the Cotton Bowl, we're talking about, my gosh, the team, that the horrible performance they left at the Cotton Bowl. But I, I left that podcast saying that if there is a spin zone, it's that this team is completely different. With Dylan Gabriel, more than just the offense, the defense too. Um, because, like I said last week, it can't be 
overstress how hard it is to play defense when the offense is just giving you absolutely nothing, no points, no resistance, all the pressure's on you to get a stop basically literally every time. And you saw that today. Now they gave up 42 points. So I'm not gonna act like, and we're gonna talk about the defense at length here in just a little bit. I'm not gonna act like the defense was amazing today, but it was better. And you could tell the way that they played. There was a lot more of a, a pep in their step of almost like, okay, offense is scoring again. Yay, like we don't have to pitch a shutout to have a chance to win. And um, Brent Venables talked about that in post game, you know, saying that Brent, uh, you know, the insertion of Dylan Gabriel just helps the whole flow of the entire team much yep. more than just the offense. They have to have Dylan Gabriel. He's the most valuable player in the country, arguably. Oklahoma with him can hang with a lot of teams and will win games. Without him, as we saw, they are bad. So Dylan Gabriel being back, it's a completely different team with number eight under center. I think that was well, on full display today. Yeah, and part of that is your backup quarterback as well. Right. You know, who's if they had a better yeah, backup quarterback. Yeah, the gap, the disparity, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Speak, uh, speaking of backups, one of them put 42 points on the board today. Yeah, Jason Bean had himself a day. We're, of course, going to talk about that. Uh, here just a little bit. Let's start with offense. So offensively in this game, a lot to like for Oklahoma. Um, they scored 52 points, and to quote Brent Venables, they left a lot of meat on the bone in yeah. this game, and they they did. He's not wrong at all. They had at the goal line. First off, Marvin Mims I think scored anyway. I thought he did too. I thought he did. I watched it back. I haven't seen a ton of replays, but in the in the moment they played on the board stuff, I it looked in my shot of it. I thought he looked in. Whatever. They had two shots at the one, didn't score. That's on you to not score when you have two shots at the one. But still, that's a touchdown that they should have had. And then some turnovers where they were moving the ball. They sold up with 52 on the board offensively. Eric Gray was awesome. Marvin Mims and Braden Willis were great. Theo Weiss got going, which is really nice to see after he was, you know, essentially a no-show. He didn't play last week, but just a coach's decision against Texas last week. There's a lot to like offensively in this game. Yeah, and I thought the biggest thing, which... Shouldn't be like a massive surprise that Oklahoma ran the ball really well because the offensive lines played a lot better. We've talked a ton at length about Eric Gray and Javante Barnes. That's kind of why part of the the hope cycle that people had last week. It's that, well, Eric Gray had been playing a lot better. Javante Barnes had come on strong in Fort Worth. If those two guys can get after it, the Cotton Bowl, maybe you can hang around. Didn't happen last week, but this week Eric Gray was a menace. I mean, 179 on the ground. Uh, as a team, they ended up with, uh, what is that? 403. I know part of that is that their passing defense isn't great, and so a lot of teams are just bypassing the run game, but... That, that's a, you know, Lonnie Phelps is a, a fine, you know, the Miami of Ohio transfer who, who transferred in. He's a fine player. A lot of that was just like, yeah, the defensive line's good enough that you just want to try to go over the top. And Oklahoma dominated them in the run game, much less what Dylan Gabriel's able to do in the passing game. And I thought this would have been a great game to come out. What did I say? Oh, I said 55 carries going into the game. Oklahoma needs to have 55 uh, rushing attempts. At 57. Uh, they had 100 total offensive plays, so that's pretty ridiculous. Um, my my theory in 55 was take the ball out of Dylan Gabriel's hands, let him ease into it, coming off a concussion, take it easy on him, don't put any stress on him, don't make him run out there and make a bunch of plays. Jeff Levy said, no, this Kansas defense needs to be exposed through the air, and that's exactly what they did. Uh, Jeff Levy went out there and called a bunch of passes, I think seven passes on the first drive, uh, if, if not more. Um, and, and not just pass on the first drive, but he also had the quarterback run play. Run play, right. He had a – uh, Dylan Gabriel had a keeper. He ended up with 10 carries today, 37 yards and a touchdown. So uh, he was taking some shots. And I thought, again, I thought going into this game that would be the wrong approach. But Dylan Gabriel, if he's healthy, I guess that's the right approach. It worked like a like a charm. Well, and it sounds like Jeff Lay was asked after the game, when did you guys know Gabriel was going to play? And he's like, I mean, he didn't clear the protocol. But on right. Sunday, because of how he had felt going into the Texas game, Sounds like they weren't kidding when they had said that Dylan Gabriel felt really good on Saturday, but just wasn't clear of the mm. protocol. Because Levy said on Sunday we had a really, really, really good idea that Gabriel was going to be the guy. We proceed game planning with that. So that probably plays into why he was so comfortable giving it to him from the jump because it wasn't like a waiting on pins and needles until he's officially cleared on Wednesday. It's like he was cleared to practice. They just need to do those last two or three diagnostic tests with the protocol and then green light all that stuff. 
By the way, full disclosure, there's a wasp just buzzing around in the corner up here. That's I, fine. I doubt you can hear it on here, but it's very distracting for me. I'm not a wasp guy, so uh, <laughs> we're going through it right now. We're powering through, though. Yellow um, jackets, different story. Wasps, no. I don't know if I can tell you the difference off sight, well, but either one way. Of, one of them plays football in Atlanta, and... <laughs> The other one, the other is, one a superhero. is a menace. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, offensively, you know, <laughs> I, I will, you know, we have our under the radar and our X Factor, which I hit on both. You know uh, it. We'll talk about X Factor later. But under the radar, or no, my X Factor, excuse me, was the passing game because I was curious, you know, they've shown they can run the ball. This offensive line is doing a really nice job. Eric Gray is a beast. Basically, since. After the Kent State game, when there were some people, not a ton, but there were some, there were, they were out there that was saying Marcus Major should be running back one mm -hmm. over Eric Gray. Eric Gray has been he took it tremendous. He's been so good. He's been what I thought he was going to be last year. Going into last year, I said on our preseason podcast, I really thought Eric Gray was going to be clearly running back one, and he wasn't. Kennedy Brooks was. Eric Gray had been an underwhelming season. This year, a little bit of a slow-ish start. wasn't bad, but slow-ish and now he's just taken off. He's, I mean, feed him. Just feed him. He had that one touchdown. They got called back for holding, and then yeah. they fed him the very next play, and he scored again. I mean, that, Same play. That's baller stuff. Yeah. Um, and he was fantastic. So you know you can run the ball. We've seen that for a week. Javante Barnes has come into his own in a major way. He's been awesome. But Dylan Gabriel, after the concussion, how good was he going to be? Because he missed some throws you know, before. He missed some throws today. But could they find consistency in the passing game? They absolutely did. Braden Willis, like we said earlier, was everywhere. Marvin Mims was everywhere. They got Weiss going, Farouk, Stoops, even Gavin Freeman caught that deep ball. Passing game was was on fire. And when you have that working to go with your run game, you're going to have an offense that's, that's pretty darn good. The Freeman catch for 41 yards, I think, was the deepest throw of the day. Uh, got the, the thing I was talking about with bringing Dylan Gabriel back slowly, I think they did that with a lot of short passes, a lot of underneath stuff, a lot of checkdowns. Um, don't make, don't stress him out. Don't put, you know, make him throw it, make a, a, a hash mark to sideline, thirty-five yard throw like like you see all all the time in the NFL Combine. Don't put, make him, ask him to do things that he can't do. He operated the offense and it was efficient. It flowed. Uh, they got in a rhythm. That was that you know, was very helpful for this uh, for this football team. Yeah, no, absolutely, and you you know that this offense is humming when kind of like what josh mentioned it it felt like no matter who they put into the game they were making plays it didn't matter if, if farouk or mims kind of got the same plays called their direction gavin freeman slots in and really his only major involvement in the game is just a nuts lays out for the 41 yarder right uh also i think the the jerseys played a little wreaked a little havoc there as Freeman got the stoops chance because I don't think people <laughs> could make out that that was 82 <laughs> and not 12 so uh, he got to live that out as, as well but I mean when you have stuff like that happen and those guys slot in and just play like that that's how you know that that offense is playing loose playing free and it's kind of what even even when they've been playing well outside of the Nebraska game Kansas State they moved up and down the field against a really good defense but it never felt like they were that loose. They were that free. They scored, but in those big moments, those third downs, like you kind of talked about, um, today they were elite. And against Kansas State, it felt like they were pressing because it felt like they got nervous in those third downs. It never really felt nervy or anything like that. After they had put about 21 points on the board, it, it was one of those moments felt like the, the OU offense the last couple of years where they touch the ball, you're just expecting they're going to score a touchdown. It's just how fast and, and who's going to be the guy to make the cool play along the way. Yep. Any concern? Um you know, I guess what we you know we we talked you know at length just now about the positive. A lot, of, way more positives than negatives in this game. Um, like we said, run game was great. Gabriel looked pretty good. All things considered, he played pretty well. Um, lots of points, lots of yards. Could have had more. Is there any concern, I guess, about the the turnovers in this game? Um, that's one thing that Gabriel and Oklahoma have been really good about was not turning the ball over. And they did that today. Gabriel fumbled a couple times. One of them was just kind of a freak thing where it slipped out of his hand. wasn't even really anything that you could chalk up as being, you can't practice to fix that. You just right. have to not do that. Did have an interception, which I haven't really got to watch it back. Was was it more, miscommunication that resulted? Was that more on Gabriel, just a bad read? Uh, it, I don't know. It, it, it looked like it was a really bad, like the throw should have been 
three oh, yards yeah, his outside receiver, shoulder. It looked like right. his receiver broke off the route early. Yeah. That's what it looked like. It looked like he was supposed to keep drifting in this direction, and he stopped, and the DB kept going that way, and, and he threw it right to him. Yeah, it was, it was weird. Because it was clearly yeah. like a – he's looking right at him, but – the ball is five yards to the right. So that to me always says miscommunicate. Like Gabriel, when he's missed, he's missed high, but like yeah. online. And that was so far to the right that that clearly looked like someone had the wrong like miscommunication. So I guess it's safe to say that, I mean, the one negative today offensively really would be turned it over a few times, but all of them you guys don't really see as being a long time. I, so if, if Oklahoma, when Gabriel's in the game, because Oklahoma's had a few turnovers and they've all been basically not Gabriel, not on Gabriel and not when Gabriel's in the game, if Oklahoma had turned the ball over three or four times in the first four games with Gabriel and it was like a one-a-game thing, kind of like some of his misses, just like incompletions, yeah. I think it'd be a big deal. But seeing that that was the first interception, both of those, like all three of those would have been, if you eliminate one or two of them, like that's the, his first three turnovers of the year, not really concerned right now. You come back in two weeks and dumb crap still happened in Ames, then you go, yeah, okay, is he is he too loosey-goosey with the football after this concussion trying to just, you know, go for it? But I think today you can kind of take it as a today thing until you see more of it. You concur? Yeah, I concur. <laughs> I, was just, I was just looking up some stuff. I got you. No, uh, that was the only thing I could think of as far as a negative. Is there anything negative that you would say offensively? I guess I'll open it up that way because I was, you know, to kind of put a bow in the offensive conversation because it, you hate to just sit here and, as I've said many times, we're not the sunshine pumping podcast. We we are honest and, but I don't have much to, to say negative about offense. The offense, yeah, I mean, they, they did what they wanted. Not a ton of penalties, right? I right. haven't I haven't got to watch. I watched the one singular replay. Of the, we mentioned those back-to-back Eric Gray touchdown runs where the one was called back for the Chris Murray hold. It was a late flag, and I didn't see the hold, frankly, on the one replay I watched. But things were moving so quickly that I haven't got to watch back. But even if you have that one play, if it, if it was a hold, fine. Uh, it, it wasn't just a, a ton of procedural stuff. It looked calm, cool, yeah. collected. It, it looked good. The only thing you'd want is for them to punch down on, on the goal line. But they've been really good about doing that specifically this year as well. So it was just a couple of bad plays for him to play. Yeah, Oklahoma had zero penalties in the second half. They had four for the game and zero penalties for the second half. Uh, just goes to show, you know, when you redouble your efforts after 49 nothing, uh, you come back. It can't be easy. Think about that. It can't yeah. be easy to come back here with your tail between your legs and basically refocus, uh, know that you're playing the number 19 team, know the pressure that's on you. You know, coming into this thing, you cannot lose to Kansas at home. No, right? Even so, though they're a top twenty team. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so for them to come out and play that efficient and no mental mistakes like that. Again, you saw missed tackles and you saw a couple of KU receivers for sure, uh, especially the tight end. Again, that's something to keep an eye on. Um, Kansas got, tight ends from Kansas come in here and, and they're wide open for some reason. Uh, put those things together and it's a, it's a very got to be a satisfying complete type of game. Yeah, no, I agree completely. Not not a lot to complain about offensively in this game. So let's let's do the more fun side of the ball to talk about right now, which is the defense. So Oklahoma defensively in this game, you know, there are positives to take from it, certainly. Uh, we talked about that in our uh, post-game wrap, which you can watch on allcenters.com. Tackling was better, um, I thought, in this game. They forced some turnovers, which was nice to see. Deshaun White uh, had a nice one. C.J. Colden, there's that That was my that was yeah. under the radar. Um Two weeks in a row with interception, that was really nice. It wasn't quite DJ Graham level, but it was pretty darn good. Uh, nice bobbling one. Speaking of. Yeah, d- did he ever get out there? Did you I ever didn't see, see him? him. No. Well, so, DJ Graham moved to receiver. So that, that had been, that. that's been confirmed. We, I talked to an Oklahoma spokesperson just kind of in passing before the game and asked, hey, we have um, little spotter charts that have the two deep and everyone's number and stuff like that as a resource in the press box if you need them. And I had the spotter chart in my hand. I just said, hey, is there going to be an updated number for DJ Graham since Braden Willis is also nine? And that OU spokesperson basically said, um, not today. Not today. <laughs> that they got word late, like after the spotter charts and stuff were printed late in the week, that that was officially a thing. But basically, that was an OU spokesperson confirming that DJ Graham is moving to wide receiver, as Bob Prisbella reported, as DJ Graham himself said. And yeah. for today, there was going to be no new number, and that kind of clued us in from there that DJ Graham was probably going to play special teams today, and that was about it. Yep. Didn't play offense. 
Right. And war number nine. Right. So, so CJ Colton steps in. Woody Washington goes back to corner, mm-hmm. which was nice to see. Key Lawrence and Justin Brules were your starting safeties in this game. We had a Sean White got an interception. Colton had an interception. Tackling was pretty good. I thought Key Lawrence was all over the place in this game. Had some really nice open field tackles. Justin Broyles in the first quarter had yeah. a couple of yeah. moments, too, where Key Lawrence is in coverage, and Justin Broyles recognized that, hey, I'm in the area, and he came in. And, like, that that first touchdown, Justin Broyles made a great football play, and it just the ball happened to bobble up and back into the, yeah. the Kansas wide receiver's hands. Yeah. Like, that was football. You know what I mean? What are you supposed right, to do? Right, right. There was – Finally, a semblance of a pass rush. Uh, not the whole game by any stretch. There was a lot of time for Jason Bean was just kind of hanging out back there. It looked a yep. lot like Quinn Ewers last week. Um, I was getting shades of that. But they did get after him a couple times. I think it was Aguebu had the one sack. Um, so there was some of that today. So, yeah, I guess, long story short, it still wasn't good. He gave it 42 at home. Kansas got most of what they wanted and kept this game close. And it looked like, oh, he was going to pull away and kind of put it away a few times. But there were encouraging signs, I guess. Is that kind of how you guys feel about it? Uh, OU averaged a little over seven yards per play. Kansas averaged a little over seven yards per play. I mean, it's not again, it's not great. Uh, 430 yards. Right, we're talking about how great OU's offense was, but, yeah, the yards per play is the same. Yeah, it's the yeah. same thing. Right. So um, they, they, there's room for improvement, lots and lots of room for improvement. But what the whole thing you have to take away from this, even the, the stingiest naysayers like myself, you come out of this and you say, this was way better than last week. This was way better than 55 at TCU. Yeah, that's all you can ask for. Uh, when I asked Brent what was what was different about this week, he said, compared to what? Well, compared to 49, nothing. <laughs> and compared to 55-21, what was different? And, you know, besides Dylan Gabriel being back, uh, which helped, again, helped all elements of the game, but the defense played better. So what was the difference? And he said they dedicated themselves at practice and guys are doing extra work and they're focusing in and everybody's paying attention to detail. And that was uh, pretty much the commentary after the game. Yeah, I, I think the difference is clearly the four-man front, frankly. Yeah. Um, I, I understand what Brett Venables was trying to say on Tuesday that whether they go three-man or four-man, it's a personnel switch. It's not like they run a, a completely different scheme where you're two-gapping instead of playing heads-up or anything like that. I, I, I get that. I get it. But they don't have the height weight requirement from their three down linemen to play the three man front. Yeah. When you put that extra bigger body on the field, you saw it. Like suddenly, after two weeks of asking what the heck is happening to Jalen Redmond, he has maybe the best defensive tackles coach in the country, and he seemed to regress. You throw Isaiah Coe or Jeffrey Johnson out there beside him, and, J- and Jalen Redmond's in the backfield again, suddenly. Like th- those guys just play better in that even front. And yes, there were. They had one sack. They should have had three or four maybe because there were moments where Bean was dead to rights in the backfield. But you know what? Missing tackles in the backfield is a major upgrade over what you saw yeah. the last three weeks. Right. So that is a baby step. And I think, too, that there is a little bit of context. Um, I know that the last time Kansas scored 40 on this field, Puka Williams ran wild. And while that game was not in doubt, that was a very embarrassing day for the Oklahoma defense. This yeah. is not good. You don't want to do. You don't want to give this up. But like, keep in mind – Kansas was, coming into today, the number four offense in terms of yards per play in the entire country. That's not a, hey, they've played two weeks, one of those games was against Tennessee Tech. No, it was like Ohio State, Alabama, um, somebody else, Kansas. I don't remember. Um, apologies. It was on our Friday by the numbers, if you want to go dig back in. But that's like, not they, who they played. That's the rankings. Right, that's the rank, That's yeah. the other. That's them and the other three teams ahead yeah. of them. That, that was the three teams yeah. ahead of them. So they were averaging 7.33 yards per play coming in. So... Yes, it's not good, but that is a really good offense. I know they had a backup quarterback. It's a backup quarterback that's shown he can be productive. He clearly is familiar with the system, all that stuff. So not good by any means, but it is a major improvement. And at least there were moments in the game where in the first half, there were a string of four straight stops, three punts. One of those was the C.J. Colden interception. And in those moments, the offense was able to score touchdowns. Every time Oklahoma got an interception, the offense scored a touchdown, and it allowed the Sooners to keep Kansas kind of at arm's length, keep this thing between 14 and 21 points for most of the game until the, the late score by the Jayhawks. We saw a, a three and out and a punt, and we said, well, that's new. Simple as that. We saw yeah. a 75-yard touchdown drive. That's new. You know, these are, again, Ryan called it baby steps. Improvements, progressions. You have to continue to progress and get better throughout the season. 
Uh, a lot of guys were proud, I think, of the way that the team refocused this week and was able to get better. Um, not infinitely better, you know. This isn't a 40-point Kansas route like they usually are. Um, one of the columnists from, from uh, Fort Worth asked, asked me on Twitter, I'm old enough to, uh, to remember when routing Kansas by 10 points in response to my headline. Uh, routing Kansas was more than 10 points. Uh, true. They covered the spread. They did cover the spread. Great teams cover. Um, Depending on where you got it. There were, there were when some you ten, got it. Yeah. There was some when 10 and, and a half floating out there this morning. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, anyway, um, again, I just can't say it enough. They, they put their, heads to, their nose to the grindstone. They put their heads down. They went to work, and they shook off the crap feeling that everybody had after that Texas game last week, and that's all you can ask. I mean, two weeks from now, when they're at Iowa State, get a little bit better. And yes, I, I know so. this is an offensive note, but something else, too, is that the defense played – good enough to let the offense extend this game out and the offense came out and in the second half they had a drive of three minutes and 20 seconds a drive of five minutes and 15 seconds and another three and a half minute drive all in the second half who's pointed this out a lot that the oklahoma offense everything they do happens in two minutes or less whether they score a touchdown (laughs) or punt yeah turnover whatever stall out everything they do usually happens in two minutes or less and so I think that was a moment, too, where because the offense was doing everything they wanted, Jeff Levy actually had the option to throttle it back a gear just a little bit, just to say, okay, the defense, it's been out there for a lot of plays. They're not playing elite elite, but they've done enough. And now I, as the offensive coordinator, can take the step back and say, let's salt three and a half minutes off the clock this drive. Let's go on that five-minute, 15-second drive, which basically said, no, Kansas, you're not getting back into this no matter how hard you try at the end of the fourth quarter. And I think that's – Finally, a little bit of that. Uh, Jeff Lloyd was in a position where he showed that not only can they do that, but they can do that when they need it. Because they, since they interconference play, they just run from behind the whole time. Yep. First lead since Nebraska. Yep. Crazy. Yeah, that that's nuts. Most complete game since Nebraska. Yeah. Too, by far. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think you know, at the end of the day, you know, yeah, you have to be careful in these spots, and I, I think we're doing a job of not doing it, of moving the goalposts too much of. I mean, we all watched the last two games. Yeah. We watched the last two games. A lot of people thought that Oklahoma would might lose today, right? I mean, uh, right? I, you picked, I picked them to lose. Yeah, you picked yeah, Kansas picked to lose. So yeah. I mean, I think any OU fan going in, um, maybe other than the more unrealistic ones, would have just taken a win any way they can get it. So the fact that your offense played really good, your defense struggled but had flashes of improved play. Overall, you got to considered the game a success for Oklahoma, in my mind at least. Um, you know what was interesting you know. to me? After the last two games uh, for Oklahoma, 55 against uh, TCU and 49 against Texas, I saw Kansas come out here today and take the fight to OU. Did you guys see the chippiness that was going on? after yeah. the, at Hard hits, late hits. Uh, one dude took a full swing and missed and then ended up on his backside. Um, on a kickoff. On a kickoff, yeah. right. And uh, – Kansas was trying was taking the fight to Oklahoma and, and trying to bully them because they looked at what happened against TCU and they looked at what happened against Texas. And you know what Oklahoma did? Oklahoma stood its ground and pushed back, shoved back, talked back, didn't punch back. There was a little bit of a slap, I think, but um, on that one play we're talking about. But that was also impressive because this team, again, came home from Dallas last week with its tail between its legs. Today they came out and fought, literally fought. So that was good. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see because uh, – I mean, they've, they've always had a little bit of that edge. Like, if you remember the play against Kansas State where Braden Willis blocked a guy into the sideline and then walked out, you know, flexing. There was a moment today where Braden Willis gets takes an absolute lick at the goal line and stands back up and just starts flexing in the guy's yeah. face. Marvin Mims, he was doing some blocking. It's, it's a – this is a different feel from Oklahoma because in the past they make a big play. Then they get up and talk or, like, the defense does what every DB in the country does, which is – hey, quarterback, you threw the ball 30 yards over our head. I didn't actually have to defend there, but I'm going to do that and, and get in your face and draw a taunting penalty and give OSU a touchdown looking at you, Buki. Um, but <laughs> but today it, facts. It, it was like physical blocks that then like the skill position players, that's what they're getting fired up about. And I think that's that's kind of the, the Jeff Levy, like he talks so much about just being overly aggressive and all that stuff that, that 
if that's where Oklahoma's going to stand their ground, and it, like that's a good mental space to be in, whether they're winning or losing, is that they're taking pride in that stuff, which is helping out. Because how many of these little throws on the perimeter were all set up by the fact that Marvin Mims is standing there waiting for the football, mm-hmm. and you've got Braden Willis down the field blocking, Julio mm-hmm. Farouk down the field mm-hmm. blocking, Theo Weiss down the field blocking. Like it's a good sign for. For what's been a criticism of this style of offense, the Baylor style of offense under Art Bryles, the Baylor receivers didn't block downfield. I asked Anton Harrison, too, the offensive tackle, if this was their most physical game, at least since Nebraska, and he said, oh, yeah, by far. I mean, when the player recognizes it minutes after the game, yeah, yeah you know it's true. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, yeah, they, they had a different, you know, attitude. And I thought, yeah, they, they came out with um, some better energy than maybe we saw. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, I, I say that, but I, I thought that the energy at the start of the Tex game was okay. It just seemed like at the first time that they went down, it was kind of escaped well, them. I, I think with the Texas game, yeah. without Dylan Gabriel, everyone in the stadium knew if Texas gets a two-possession lead, this thing's probably over. Because OU's going to have to play a perfect well, football game from there out. How much do we feel like today, and all the things we just said, all things that were better, specifically about the defense, um were a product of just getting off to a good start, having a lead, um, not being in a hole immediately, which they were against K-State, which yeah. they were against TCU, which they were against Te- – obviously against Texas, the whole, whole, the whole time they never score. But they got to a good start. I mean, first drive, they went – scored 7 up. They never trailed in this game. It was tied, but they never trailed in this game. How much do you guys think that just played a major part in it? And I guess – retroactive, I mean, spinning it around, whatever the right word I'm looking for here is, in two weeks in Ames, if they go down 7 nothing, are we going to see the same problems that we saw, you know, last no, three I th- weeks? No, I think today was a get-right game. Ames is going to be its own own situation. They, they can come back in that one. They can get get ahead in that one. It's not going to be related to today because there's a, a week off in between and two weeks and all that stuff. This team needed to get out to a fast start after losing 49 to nothing. Simple as that. You get mm-hmm. beat down like that by I your agree. rival, embarrassed national television, all that stuff. Uh, they came out today and they jumped all over Kansas early and got some confidence, and then they remembered what it was like to, you know, play that uh, play that tempo. Uh, and I don't mean the Jeff Levy hurry tempo. I mean the tempo of hustling to the ball, uh, knocking people on their backside, um, you know, reaching up and intercepting a pass. When it doesn't look like you got a shot, uh, if if that ball is thrown against uh, Texas or maybe TCU, I don't think the DB reaches up that high or, or tries that hard. But CJ Colden today, because of the confidence that everybody had, he reached up there and he snagged that thing out of the clouds. It was very impressive. So I just think uh, it all works together. And I you know I get tired of the complimentary football term, but today was a perfect example of it. Yeah, and that's too for my X factor. I'd pick the fast start. I think that we've all taken a turn taking the fast start, but <laughs> yeah. but my angle on it was you talk about the confidence that okay, the three games that Oklahoma's had, you always want to play at home as opposed to be on the road, all that stuff. But at a place like Oklahoma, where the expectation is so high, if you come up with a three-game losing streak and then you get down ten to nothing, that energy in the stadium is going to be nervous at best yeah. if not shifting to there are going to be segments of boo birds that come out stuff like that and for a team again. that clearly was having a confidence issue the last three weeks that was the worst case scenario so for the offense to come out and from the jump look like an offense that was going to score every single time they got the football and the defense even though they gave up scores on their first two drives which again not great but at least they got Kansas into like a third and long. And when they had to convert on the third and long, I think the fans were like, okay, against TCU, it was like TCU would just get like 15 yards of play and it didn't matter. At least they were having <laughs> right. some success. And then Jason Bean was bailing Kansas out. And I think there was kind of a belief in the stadium that, okay, well, maybe this thing will turn the right way. They got a couple of stops. You look up at the scoreboard, there's an extension, there's a lead, and the fans are fully behind the team. I, that was my biggest thing for needing the fast start is that if – the wasps if, coming in. If the fans turned on Oklahoma today, that that was not going to do anything <laughs> for the confidence. As Ryan has lost his confidence as the wasp has turned on this podcast. <laughs> He's back in his corner. Okay. We're good. We're good. Let me wobble back to me corner. Yeah, we're good. Um, I kind of lost my train of thought a little bit with the wasp. Not going to lie. Confidence, fast start. Confidence, fast start. Yeah. So you know, we'll see what happens and what what they can make of it if they can do something i will say this was two weeks in a row that i was pleasantly surprised by ou fans um i thought the crowd today was going to suck and it 
it kind of did at the beginning. Like in warm-ups, it wasn't – it felt it was a little – many people here. Huh? For warm-ups, there wasn't many people no, here. No, it was late arriving, but they did get here. It was full, and it sounded about like a normal game. And it seemed like the crowd was really just like trying to will them into being a good team. Like the fa- OU fans want Brent Venables to work so bad, and you could feel it in warm-ups. They announced Dylan Gabriel as the starter, got a huge cheer, like, all right, we're back. Hopefully, they still should have announced Braden Willis as the starting quarterback. Just yeah, for, he lined up first for play, the and then yeah. they motioned him out. That was interesting. That was weird. Some Kent State I was like, stuff. Are we what now? What's happening here? <laughs> Braden Willis again? What? <laughs> Dylan Gabriel's out there. What? First play. Uh, yeah, didn't trust Warmups at all after last week. Gabriel's warming up in pads. I was like, I'm not buying this, DG. This <laughs> Did is anybody not... ask Levy about that play? No. The first play. That would have been cute. Yeah, that was funny. Uh, maybe we can catch him on I guess we don't have Monday. Whatever. Uh, at some point. At some point. But We're on to Iowa State is what he's going to say. Yeah. We, we got the, you know, they do the intros of lineups and they announce Brent Venables as head coach, which they didn't used to do that. That was a, that's a new thing this year to announce that. But still got a massive cheer. There was no, like, mixed reaction. be wild if we came into a game day not knowing who the head coach was. <laughs> That'd be something. That'd be some mystery. <laughs> but, you know, for all the – all the negative, I guess, that's been floating around from fans on social media and you know uh, our comments on our show and stuff. Like that. I mean, fans have been very upset the last few weeks. But rightfully so. you didn't, rightfully so, not arguing at all. Brent Venables even said that. Um, they've been upset and rightfully so. Uh, f- fair, you know. He said we deserve all the criticism. We deserve all that. Um, but he said, you know, we needed them today and they came up for us and they did. Uh Fans were into this game, and you would not have known if you just came to this game. You didn't know the team records. You wouldn't have thought OU's like having a disastrous season by most stretch. It, it felt normal, which I got to give OU fans credit for that. Yep. I agree, for sure. I think the uniforms did add a little bit of juice to that. What do we think? Let's go ahead and get that out. Let's do fashion pod. What do we think? It's of what the everyone uniforms? comes for. Uh, Josh yeah. Ryan and who's, who's opinions on fashion. <laughs> whose thoughts on alternates? I love the color combination, I do. And uh, I love the design of just about everything. The one thing I don't like is the little pen, the little pencil-thin outline of the numbers. We sit way up here in the press box. The field is way down there. It's 300 yards away-ish, uh, 200 maybe. Can't see. Can't see who's got the ball. Uh, all Everybody's name says Unity on the back. Uh, I'm, I'm a little lost, but I get it. Um, I get the unity thing. I love it. It's a great throwback to Prentice Scott. I got to interview him once, got to know him a tiny little bit. Uh, very cool dude. Very extremely elegant man. A uh, lot of dignity in, the, in, that, uh, in that human being. And, and for someone to do what he did here at the University of Oklahoma, he needs to be propped up over and over and over again. There's a, the Prentice Scott uh, Academic Center down here. Uh, you can't honor him enough. So... That was cool. That was wonderful. It was a great gesture. And again, the color scheme, man, I love it. We've seen it for softball. We've seen it for basketball. Like basketball. Everyone has it basically except football. for football. And football. And the traditionalists come out and say, this sucks. I hate this combination. This, this aren't our traditional colors. All right. It's cool. The players, uh, the, the three that I asked after the game, what do you think about them? How do you like them? Do you want to wear them again? All of them said, I want to wear them again. I want to wear them as long as we can every game. So, I think they're here to stay. Yeah, and just put some white numbers on them. Just, they won. Just, just so. well, not even the white numbers, just white trim on the numbers. And that was the only thing. They did it, have white. Just I guess Well, not more, more white. Down in the field, it wasn't that bad. More yeah, white it trim. Close. Uh, it sounds like the broadcast was having some issues, just <laughs> misidentifying people, too. Which, again, like, if that's did the only... Did somebody say it was against the rules? <laughs> that's the, the rule book. You have to be able to see them from the press box. I'm I think just... somebody said that on Twitter, that the, that the broadcast guys were complaining that this was against the rules. Interesting. Well, that... The only problem, if the only problems for us hags, you know what I mean, like us media hacks, that whatever, that, that it's not a huge issue for how it goes. I'd like to see them under the lights. That'd be cool. Yeah, I think that I they, think it would be a disaster. <laughs> I couldn't well, see anything. I think the uh, the <laughs> glimmer of the number under the lights would be a cool aesthetic. But yeah, we would, guys. This is a very us problem. But yeah. every week when the team goes through warm ups, there's about five or six of us that all grab binoculars, huddle around, trying to identify this guy's in street clothes, this guy's suited up, all that stuff. So we, we can put out there, hey, here's the two deep, here's who's playing, who's not playing. When you just have unity across the back and, <laughs> and everyone's got their helmet on, 
And then the numbers are hard to see. Oh boy, it was yeah. a disaster trying to get that. To it took us twice as long to get that thing together. <laughs> I thought they're, I, th- I thought they're pretty good. Yeah, um, I like them better. They win than, a fashion show. I like them better than the Rough Riders. Oh um, yeah, well, should, the Rough Riders. I'm a huge fan. The Rough Riders, Riders. got to be dead. I hope after this. Well, here, what's funny with the Rough Riders is they'll wear those things it, to West Virginia. You watch this. <laughs> it seems like most people don't love the Rough Riders. They generally seem to have a negative, but obviously recruits like them because we see the they take their photo shoots. Right. Like 90% of the time, they wear the Rough Riders, which I I assume. I guess I don't know this for a fact, so if I'm wrong, somebody can correct me. I assume they let the kids pick which one they want to take their photos Well, because we see recruiting Jackson photos. Jackson Arnold, I remember, you know, all those guys, they always are doing their recruiting. They got the Rough Riders on. But maybe they'll wear these now. Well, now they'll be in these because it's the new thing. Yeah. So but these are cool. I thought they were all right. I thought the helmets were cool. Better than the uniform. The helmet's the best feature, I should say. Not a uniform thing, but real quick, just so we don't forget to mention this. You say Jackson Arnold. Guys, this is a really big recruiting weekend. Here. Yeah. And so it was very important, not just for all the stuff we talked about of the fans being behind the team, which not saying they weren't going to be behind the team, but if things went hinky, that could have been a bad look in front of recruits. Wasn't an issue at all. The defense showing simultaneously signs of life, but also signs that you can come in and probably play next year. That's probably not the worst thing in the world for a recruit as well as if I mean if you're an offensive recruit and you see this team just mowing up and down the field putting 700 yards up on the board everyone's like I would like some of that play like it's yeah. about as good as it could have gone outside of it being maybe a night game or, or maybe the defense being a little bit more dominant like yeah. at the end of the half and at, at both halves we were joking about it a little bit on the field and it was I was joking but there was some some truth to it in that you vote you've lost today and it went poorly say they're losing by three touchdowns or something. It, we would have seen a, a scene here at the stadium that we hadn't seen much. Um, I mean, the, the whole booing to get Spencer Rattler out of the game would have looked like nothing compared to probably what we would have saw today if he was getting ran off the field again at home to Kansas for the fourth straight loss. So this was a, a bit of a delicate situation for Oklahoma yeah. football, and uh, they passed. They, they came out, they played well, they won the game. And, uh, and now they've got the good go. vibes going into the bye week. You meant, yeah. Like, two with the defense is they did enough that they're going to have confidence and there's going to be enough good plays on film that over the next two weeks leading into Ames, which is not an explosive offense. Mm-hmm. So there's a huge avenue where the OE defense could not play great and still put a low point total up on the board with Iowa State. That's what you want as far as two weeks to kind of mentally rebuild and put the pieces back together for this defense because you can show them the interceptions, stuff like that, and still have – Brittman was talking about after the game. There's still a ton of stuff they want to correct, but stuff like that's a lot easier when you're correcting from a place of confidence. We just got to button this up as opposed to you just got 49 put on you and the offense scored no points. Sure. All of you stink. You know what I mean? Sure. So as we start to wrap up here, let's do what we always do. Let's spin it forward. What is Oklahoma? A bowl team. Because I don't know what they are. I don't know what they are. So they win today. They're they're four and three. They're back above five hundred. You know, all those big things are are out the window, right? I mean, playoff obviously is way gone, and Big Twelve championship. Maybe if there's absolute mayhem, they could still get in there. But mathematically, it ain't good. You you would need TCU won today, which actually helps, I think, because you still have to play OSU. So yeah. TCU wins, which does help. So if you were to theoretically win out and you got some help with K State. Falling apart because you would need that. You would need Kansas State to fall apart. Then you maybe need, you could climb back in there, but not likely. Yeah. So more than likely, what you're hoping for for OU is just a strong finish, and then you go to as good of a bowl as you can and try to win it. But what are they in terms of you know? Last week we were sitting here after the Texas game and at the Cotton Bowl, and we were kind of saying, I don't think anybody has said that they're going to go three and nine, but we all did agree that like there's not any gimmies on here. These are all losable games. I still feel that way about the rest of the schedule just because that's the way the schedule is. The Big 12 is very deep. But it feels like they're in a much – after what we saw today, there's a much more reason to be encouraged that, like you're saying, Ryan, they're going to get to bowl eligibility. They're going to win some more games this year. They still have a chance to have a winning season, all that good stuff. So is that uh, – I get what what is this team to you? It's been a little bit Jekyll and Hyde week to week. We don't really totally know what, what are the, what are the Let me ask you this. What do the fans want? At this point, I think you just have to hope for – Bedlam win and then win your bowl. See, I disagree. The fans want this team to run the table. They're not gonna. You They're don't think gonna. so? I mean, they could. Play like this out they, here. They today? certainly could. Um, but I mean, am I putting am I putting money on them doing it or not of doing it? Not. I'd say not. Of course not. But what again? What do the fans want them to do? What do the fans think is reasonable? Running the table, finishing six and three, getting back in their way into the Big Twelve championship. Not 
six and three in conference play. Oh, sorry. So get to the back Big Twelve championship game, back in whatever, however, however it has to shake out. If that happens, that's a massive success. Of, I would agree. <laughs> I would agree. I would completely agree. You go nine and three after that start, after being three and three, huge. Um, is it realistic? I don't think so. Uh, call me a doubter. That's fine. Um, I don't know. Let's not spin it too far forward. Let's enjoy the open date, and then we'll, um, you know, focus on Iowa State. Yeah, let me let me say real quick, and we'll hand over to Ryan. I said all the rest of the games are losable, yeah. which I think is true. I, I, They're all winnable, too. I agree. They're all completely winnable. They could win the rest of their games. They could lose them all. I mean, we're going to go in every weekend. Not it's re, You can make the argument every game the rest of the way for why they will or won't win it, which is fun for us. I mean, it's, it's entertaining. Yeah. Before, before today, we saw Dylan Gabriel play four or one full game, four quarters against Kansas State, one full game against a living, breathing defense. Sorry, Nebraska. The TCU <laughs> game, it's kind of for Gabriel, he was not good before he got hurt, but he didn't have four quarters to try and rebound all that stuff, so fine. Now you've seen across two games against Big 12 foes, two complete games, this offense can score with probably anyone that they're going to play with. That they've even found another gear since that Kansas State game. Um, with all of what Dylan Gabriel missed, if you have the same defensive performance and the running game takes a few more steps, I think oh, you might win that Kansas State game if they ran the ball like they yeah. ran today. Which is not a glowing endorsement on that defense or anything because it was still an awful performance against the Wildcats. So I think this offense, if they play like this, they can score with anyone. Now that that's not meaning they're going to go out there and beat everyone. Like, if they all, if they play defense like this today, I mean, Blake Chapin's going to have some fun. Spencer Sanders is going to have some fun. Uh, pick your poison with the Texas Tech triumvirate of quarterbacks. Any of those guys going to have some fun. JT Daniels is going to score. Like, it's going to be shootout city, which is why not picking them to go 9-3. and three, But I think that uh, this offense is good enough that with the games they have remaining, you'll win at least two of those shootouts. You should win at least two of those shootouts. Be doable. All that stuff. I mean, eight and four feels about seven and five, eight and four. Middle of that feels about right. Win whatever bowl. About five hundred yeah. football the rest of the way. Feels about right. Yeah, I mean the Big Twelve race. Um, I know a lot of fans are probably playing that game right now because they looked a lot better today and they won. It's not impossible, but it's really hard because what hurts is the fact that Kansas State and TCU, who you both already lost to, so you not only need to obviously catch them, but pass them because they have the tiebreaker on you. TCU's got to win out. They're both undefeated. Yeah. So you need one of them to just completely fall apart. I mean, you need one of them to lose four games. So that's not going to happen probably. Yeah. So, I mean, you're you're if OU gets to Arlington. We'll drop into some kind of three-way tie. Yeah, yeah. Those are always handy. In well, if it's with K-State and TCU, they'd be on the wrong end because they lost to both. Well, if, so they, they well, need, they need well, some. If, yeah, it if, won't be K-State like, and TCU. Yeah, if like, if, like, just say TCU just wins that, out. That second spot is over. Oh, right, yeah, right, yeah. right, right, right. Sorry. My brain, we're tired. Bye week. Tired. I to, forgot. Trying to tie that uh, second place. Bye week, yeah, baby. Guess so, yeah, that's, that's a good point. Yeah, if you win Bedlam. Although TCU be, already beat OSU. <laughs> we're getting out of it. Take TCU out of it. Yeah. So really, you need TCU first. to just do take care. And then Kansas State, right. you need yeah, you want Kansas State, which hasn't played OSU yet. Yep. So you need OSU to beat Kansas There's State. There's also a Texas looming out there that has to. <laughs> Texas, which uh, they pulled one out against Iowa State today, they squeaked one out at home, and that too. Uh, it's a long, we'll see long shot. So and it's a long yeah. way away. So it's a long way to go. We'll never know. OU is looking. We'll focus dead. on the open date. What was that? <laughs> that was a flex. Mm. Braden Willis Braden style. Willis over here, yeah. So. Um, I think that's it. Final thoughts on this game. Um, good stuff. I mean, Oklahoma, I mean, what would you give the grade? Grade the game. Do that. I think we did that earlier year. And I planned to do it the rest of the season, and we forgot because there was just yeah. a couple Fs in a row. So, grade, <laughs> grade the game uh, from Oklahoma's performance. Uh, yeah, B plus. I would agree with Ryan. <laughs> that's it. I, <laughs> I was looking at the Yankees at a home run. I was going to text my dad. B yeah. plus. That's about yeah. right. B plus. Defense was good enough. Offense was electric. And there were enough plays left on the table on both sides of the football that you're probably going like if the offense had played picture if the offense didn't have the three turnovers, even if they had just punted on those drives, if the offense didn't have the three turnovers, you'd be in like A minus territory, A territory. 
Uh, but yeah, I mean, they played complimentary football when it mattered. Everybody take a drink, and uh, I know we got to find a way. To, we had to find a. Well, synonym. I think that, I think that's actually what Brett Venables was trying to say with the rhythm thing. I think he was tired of talking about complimentary <laughs> football, <laughs> yeah. and he, he started is. talking about rhythm, and then now He's we're back to, to complimenting football. Yeah, but that Marvin Mims is still processing. <laughs> <in> the... <laughs> <laughs> I've already uploaded the other one. We got it in there. I think that's it. Um, much happier show uh, this time around. Uh, we appreciate everybody who tunes in. These post-game shows have been doing really well. People seem to have uh, found us. Uh, don't forget to watch the midweek show as well, where we preview next week's game, wrap up the press conferences and all that good stuff. We don't have a game to preview this week necessarily, but we'll still have our midweek show, of course. Uh, bi-week edition, just talking about whatever. Nah, we'll, we'll have... Uh, we'll, Probably we'll, not playoff baseball. Uniforms. Probably not playoff baseball. Uniform combinations. Uniform combinations. Maybe we'll uh, on the bye week we can work in maybe uh, some think, other sports. I think there's rumors of maybe a, a basketball practice, another basketball availability with Porter and the crew. Yeah, so. um, I want to say that there's a chance that I might get to L Dale for some baseball stuff this week. Maybe if I have the time. So maybe we get a little little stop in on the other sports real quick. Um, on the bye week. Uh, but we'll also, of course, talk plenty about you football as well. We are supposed to hear, I believe, from Brent Venables once during the bye week, along with maybe some players. So it's not going to just be nothing all week. We're still going to have you completely covered. And then after that, we'll be heading to Ames, Iowa, which is whose favorite place on earth? We'll see if they let Jack the wagon Trice. in. they got to let the wagon in. got to talk talk some uh, sweet nothings. I've only door. been there once, and uh, but I'll tell you right now, where we're going to do the podcast, I don't know. I just that, there's can, not a lot of spots there. Can we do it from the bridge thing that they've been like pumping on the recruiting stuff, like the bridge to Jack Trice and Cycloneville or whatever? I don't know. Maybe there might be snow on the ground by then. Two don't weeks in that. Ames, Iowa. Don't say that. I, we've been blessed with a lot of no warm. pink snow or uh, yellow snow. Sorry, not pink snow. God, pink man, what is that? Ryan's tired. So that yeah. is. <laughs> I'm tired, Robbie. That's it. We're done. Thank you so much for listening, for watching, however you find us. We really, really appreciate it. Oklahoma back in the win column, back above 500. We may just get a bowl trip yet for the All-Sooners crew. We'll, we'll have to see. We'll be back Wednesday for bi-week edition of the All-Sooners podcast. You can listen to that one, of course, on Spotify, Google, iHeart, and iTunes, or wherever you get your podcast. If you have an Amazon-able device, just say, Alexa, play the All-Sooners podcast. It's posted on our website, allsooners.com. Click on the playlist on your phone, your tablet, or your computer. And, of course, you can watch all these podcasts as well, video style, on Who's YouTube page, John Hoover Media. That's it. We're going to leave Norman now. For Ryan Chapman and John Hoover, I'm Josh Calloway. We'll catch you guys next time.